Welcome to Access EDU, a podcast dedicated to raising awareness of accessibility issues and efforts in higher education. I'm Megan Fogel, and I'm here to help you understand the importance behind accessibility and how it can impact the day-to-day lives of your students, faculty, and staff wherever you're teaching. Today I'm joined by Tara Koger, an instructional designer here at ODE. I want to talk a bit with her about accessibility when it comes to color and designing on the web. So tell us a little bit about what you do here, what your job is. Um, so technically, I'm an educational technologist, which just okay. means nothing, really. Um, but <laughs> So I do a lot of special projects related to helping people at the university either use a tool that we are supporting or do something new with a tool or figure out some kind of project or troubleshooting or the things that don't fit necessarily in other departments or categories. Mm-hmm. Cool. Do you run into a lot of accessibility issues with that? Um, some, and it's interesting because a lot of times the accessibility issues I run into, to, if they wind up in that like Netherlands, it's because they're not obviously accessibility issues. It's because they appear to be a testing issue or an assessment issue or a technology failure. And then once you dig in enough and you figure out what's really happening, you see that sometimes it's it's not that. It's that the person is just failing to be able to actually receive the information for one reason or another. Right. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about an article that you wrote for our blog, and I'll link to that. Um, but it was about how to choose color for accessibility. Mm-hmm. So in my experience working with you, you do a lot of visual, ap- visually appealing designs, and you try to strive toward that. Is that difficult to balance that in accessibility? You know, in the past, I would have said yes, and it definitely used to feel like especially with the web design, that you could either go pretty or you could go accessible, but you couldn't do both. And trying to straddle it just landed in mediocrity. Um, But I think it's, and we saw that a lot with, especially in the past few years, all the parallel design and all the sliding features that have become really popular and everybody wants movement and they've stepped away from uses of things like menus and headers Mm -hmm. and gone to all these vertical... um, narrative structures of information and things like that. Um, And then so much information that normally would have been text has been turned into images as well. But I think now I wouldn't say that they are diametrically opposed at all. It's more about a willingness to accept that there are a few sacrifices, but you can still end up in a place where you can do both. Um, It's easier now because some of the design choices that are popular, like um, we're not really as into picture backgrounds right. behind text as we used to be. We're not as, we like contrast now and very flat design and web. We're not into the gradients and the shadows and stuff like that. So now it's definitely easier, um, but there's still a lot of helping people get to the point where they will assume that you have to stay accessible make test your choices there first and once they're approved they're acceptable go forward and be creative and right. you can still do bright colorful things and images and everything else right it's not mutually exclusive right right 
So you wrote a little bit about how to choose color. Why is contrast important? Why, why are these things that you have to think about before you start jumping into creative design? Yeah, well, so they're important for a lot of reasons. And I'll say this is one thing that I find infinitely frustrating in the design world because when you go and look at like these really attractive websites that are popular right now that look really hip, a lot of them are actually failing to have adequate contrast mm -hmm. because, um, and Apple's a little bit to blame for this in that they've popularized that really thin weight font mm -hmm. and this really kind of airy aesthetic. Yeah. Um, and we see that everywhere else. But color is important for a lot of reasons. One, everybody wants whatever thing you're creating to be visually appealing. We've taken so much of our content and we've flattened it down to the mm -hmm. two dimensions of a screen. If it's not visually appealing, then you're going to really struggle with your engagement. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people tend to think of that process of making something look good as being like the prettying up and that's optional. But nobody wants to look at something that has doesn't appeal to your senses in any way um, but beyond that color works for a lot of other things it's a wayfinding tool and one of the biggest issues we see when people use it overzealously is they neglect to consider it in terms of an organizational element and they think of it entirely as a decorative element mm -hmm. or they think of it in terms of their personal taste and they start making choices that are essentially requiring the reader or the user to do a lot more cognitive work to figure out the organization of the information and sort of how they should walk through the piece. Mm -hmm. um, what do you mean by like color coding or what? You know, more like, um, so color typically when you look at something, your eye is going to go to specific colors first, other colors last, some colors recede, some colors come forward. Your eye is going to go to faces or anything mm -hmm. moving first, obviously. And these are all happening sort of like in your reptilian brain and mm -hmm. in a place that you're not able to control right. that process. So um, making sure that you're not doing something horrible that's going to make the, the eye hop around to four different corners. We see that a lot, for instance, in if somebody is making something and they feel the need to put university logo in the top corner, the department logo in the bottom, yeah. and their name and something in the top corner, and the information goes in the middle, then the eye has to kind of do this clutter Z-shaped yeah. thing, and then like make a decision about what to focus mm -hmm. on. So color can do the same types of things. It can help you find the important information and the navigational information first, or it can make you less confused about the focus and it can make you have to reread and retrace your way. Mm -hmm. um, and when you're dealing with somebody who might have a visual impairment, who might have a cognitive impairment, who might just, um, this maybe isn't their first language, mm -hmm. then all of that becomes just really, really more laborious. Yeah. Um, and then when you get into talking about contrast, it's just the sheer visibility of it. Um, and a lot of times people forget that, especially when you're talking about something you're creating digitally, it's going to look different on every display. So you have to design it um, for not your display, but every display is going to come across. So your bright yellows and greens are a nightmare. Um, and what is high contrast enough for you is not going to be for somebody, um, sometimes folks who are older and they mm -hmm. would not consider themselves to have a visual disability, right. but they're not going to be able to see that as well as you can. Mm -hmm. One example of that that we have had to tweak several times, and that's still not quite ideal, is in um, Canvas, 
in the course navigation in the instructor view, the active links are dark gray and the inactive links are light yeah. gray. And we've had multiple faculty who literally couldn't read the light gray links, mm -hmm. um, whether it be because of their display or because of their vision. And so it's important to remember that visual experiences in looking at contrast is not, um, it's not a binary of right. normal vision and impaired vision. It's really a continuum. And it's one of those things that everybody sees it a little bit differently. So you have to aim toward the contrast that's going to suffice based on how they perceive color and everything else. Yeah, and benefit the most people because everybody's right. going to benefit from a better looking, a better visually navigatable, is that a right. word? Navigable <laughs> site. Yeah. Um, and I think we're definitely getting there. A lot of the tools I link to in the blog post are helpful for figuring out if what you're doing is going to meet that criteria or not because you can't use your subjective eye. Um, we all have something different going on in terms of how we're going to judge stuff. So looking at, and you can get away with a little bit more when the text is really large, like a header. Mm -hmm. You can have a lower contrast because right. of the size of the text, and therefore as the size of the text increases, the weight of the font is going to increase. Mm -hmm. But then when you get into your paragraph text type stuff, um, it becomes a lot more crucial to have that really, really high contrast. Absolutely. So talk about a few of those tools. One was like how to pick out a color palette that it, they automatically produce one that is going to have good content. Yeah, there are quite a few in there. There are a few different ones. Um, there are some that will help you to pick out a color palette that's just not ugly. Um, we all enjoy picking colors, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean we all have great taste. Right. And sometimes you just would like to have the help. And some of these will suggest ones. Um, but the two that I really like are, um, they're from Colorable, and there's the text demo and the matrix demo. So the text demo is primarily dealing just with text, um, foreground, background, and it will allow you to test different color codes out. You can put in a code that you have for your HTML, or you can use the sliders at the bottom and move them around and find a color you like. And then it will help you see what does and doesn't work with your foreground background mm -hmm. combo. Um, the matrix demo is when you have multiple colors. Let's say you have picked a color palette for your design purposes that has five really great colors. Well, you need to figure out which one of those will be contrast enough to use for text mm -hmm. or any kind of information. And it doesn't only include text. It could be if you have something like an arrow or a map or something like that that you're designing that's going to convey information in some way. Um, so you put all your codes in on the left side, again you can paste the code or you can use the sliders. And then that one will show you which ones have a high enough rating to be used for information. And with the ones that fail, doesn't mean you can't use them in your scheme, it just means they need to be the decorative elements, right. not the informational elements. Absolutely. Cool. And so for those of you that haven't done a ton of web design, um, the color codes that you're talking about, it's the same type of colors that you would get from using like RGB or CMYK and a color code is the pound symbol and then a, a series of letters and numbers. So like in Canvas, you're gonna use the HTML code right. for um, whatever the color is. Yeah. Um, and, it, and one thing, there are links in the post to things like color pickers where mm -hmm. you have a photo of this, Thing that you want to choose the specific brown from. Right. So you can 
put a dropper on there and it'll yeah. extract that code for you and things like that. Yeah, that's good. And so for also for those that aren't comfortable jumping into HTML, there are ways of just using the content editor mm -hmm. to kind of edit your color and edit your visual design a little bit. Um, and so I can link to some resources for that. Cool. So um, what other things do you pop into your mind when you're working on a creative visual design as things you might need to think about for accessibility? Um, one is to really consider how the user is going to use it and where and what situation. And it's not accessibility, I just want to remind whoever's listening, is not always about a person with what we would call a disability so much as making sure that the information is as easy to access as possible. Um, so I was just working on a course design um, for a course out of music, it's called British Invasion, and they do two weeks in America and then they go to England for three weeks. Mm -hmm. So for the purpose of what we were doing there, a lot of the things we would conventionally do with course design and models didn't really make sense mm -hmm. because the students were going to do most of the class accessing this on the phone Right. in a place they've never been, and um, we wanted everything to be as immediately available as possible. So in the course navigation, we took out every link except assignments and home mm -hmm. and grades. So the home page then was created to be, um, it had a list of every day in the class, and when they tapped that day, it jumped to that day's mm -hmm. itinerary and mm -hmm. links to all the places they needed to be in the city and what time links to maps, all of that stuff. So that was like their navigation, their table of contents on the home page. Right. Okay. Yeah, it was very much a table of contents set up. Um, but one thing we started with, we created this color scheme that was kind of like ripping off the, the British flag, but <laughs> modernizing it to be a little bit softer, more web-friendly colors that aren't so harsh. And then I created this image of a map of London that was going to be displayed in these digital dots up in the header and did all this visual work anyway to make it look really neat. Mm -hmm. It looked really good on um, a browser on a computer, right. but when you opened it up in your phone, because it was built um, to be responsive and in tables, it had to move the text up, the image down below it. It didn't look bad, but it just meant a lot of extra scrolling before yeah. you got to that day that you needed mm -hmm. to tap to see where you were supposed to be. Yeah. And so, as pretty as it was, and as much time as went into it, ultimately, it wasn't the best accessible choice, so we right. took all of that stuff out. Yeah. That's a shame, but you got to think about what your yeah. users actually need. Yeah. That would have been self-serving of me to leave it in, because I wanted to make it look nice and, right. and use my work. Um, but for the students, you know, they don't need to see that constantly for three weeks while they're yeah. just trying to find out what subway to take. Right. That's, that's really interesting. Cool. Any other courses you've worked on that you wanted to, to talk about a little bit as far as accessibility? Um, I'll say one of the biggest ones we're working on right now is a course where the professor has three courses. Um, each course has 30 to 35 chapters of basically textbook chapters, mm -hmm. but they're just written in HTML. And... Um, they include a lot of images and a lot of audio clips because it's related to music and um, systems of color coding and the text to tie into periods and which concepts originated from 
and things like that. And um, we've been reworking through each chapter and adjusting the tagging, um, adding headers, creating jump sections so that if you were navigating it with a keyboard and of scrolling, you'd be able to jump down to where you left off reading. Right. Um, or screen reader. Yeah. yeah. Put in um, different options in terms of how the images are viewable so that you can, there's the, there's the embedded image with the caption. There's also an option to open up a slideshow that has them in there and things like that. Mm -hmm. So that users can pick a few different ways to walk through them and process them, whether they want it to be within the text or not. Yeah, absolutely. That's good, providing alternatives. Awesome. Thanks so much to Tara for letting me talk to her about the intersection between visual design and accessibility. There's always more to learn and more to work to be done. Thanks for tuning in. Access EDU was created and produced by employees of The Ohio State University. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position of their employer.